0: Hey there, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, have you ever had any bad salesperson experiences? Yes. I think, haven't we all? Well, I think and, so. And they
1: make me cringe because I'm in, I've been in sales. Right, right. right. Yep. And yeah, there's nothing more cringe-worthy than just, you can see it coming a mile away yep, yep. and bad sales. That's,
0: that's the worst part is when you when you are a salesperson or have yep. been in sales and recognize bad salesmanship. Yeah. I'll give you a quick example. My, I was helping my wife uh, search for a new car. Mm-hmm. It's been maybe like eight, nine years back or something mm-hmm. like that, her last car before a current one. And uh, we went around to five or six different places. She knew what she wanted. She had her laundry list of stuff she mm-hmm. wanted. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like everywhere we went, They all just ignored the stuff that she wanted. It was like, no, why don't we get you into this? This is just fine. (laughs) And finally, we got to a place where the salesman came out, kind of looked at us, chatted with us very briefly, and said, I have a feeling you guys have something very particular that you're trying to accomplish here. I'm going (laughs) to let you tell me what you want, and I'll see what I can make happen. And he got the sale. Look at that. Like, it wasn't even actually like 100% everything she wanted, uh-huh. but just the fact that he actually bothered Listened to stop and, right, and listen yeah. and ask the right questions wow. and care about our needs. Unique need concepts. Yeah. There you go. So that's kind of our topic today. There we're going to talk about consultative selling. Yes. Uh, we have Elo's you know, Luke Wilberding back with us. See, he was on An last expert. year. Exactly. We did some deep selling, yep. you know, yeah, account, yeah, yeah, yeah. account mm-hmm. penetration stuff last year. Yep. This time, we're going to get into this idea of how to be a good consultant mm-hmm. when you are selling to your customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to, uh, you know what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what is the, Why is this approach even more important now than ever than it ever oh, has been before? Yep, yep. we're going to walk through what one of those sales kind of looks like. Mm-hmm. Some of the hurdles maybe that people might face in sales that maybe if they're not as confident as they should be about mm-hmm. what to do and when. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as always, we'll get into our usual uh, value to the var and what's tech connecting with us. It's going to be a good conversation today. Absolutely. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right. As I mentioned, Luke Welwarding is back with us. He is Elo's VP of U.S. National Sales. Uh, Luke, thanks so much for coming back and joining us again. I know this was a, a topic of conversation. I think that you were kind of excited to get into. So tell us a little bit about tell us a little about your background in sales, and and you know, and why you have come to embrace this kind of approach.
2: Well, I've been at Elo now for going on seventeen years, and held jobs as regional sales manager. I worked in the business development side. I traveled throughout North America and sometimes globally, working as uh, an expert in retail hospitality, trying to help, we'll say, move the ball forward, build connections with our customers, and make sure we were truly providing value. But over this time, I'd like to say I've, I've kind of figured out what best practices work and how to coach the team on on a way of selling and an approach that uh, I think is beneficial to our customers. And what's good for them is good for us.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, then let's, let's start off then by simply asking, you know, what is, what does consultative selling mean to you? Because lot, that term gets thrown around a lot, might mean different things. We to throw it around people. all the well, yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> what does it mean to you?
2: I'd like to call it an, an investigative way of selling. So and there's Certain methods we could talk through, but selling through curiosity. How do you really go through and add value to your customer? Selling through empathy, understanding their problems, uh, really working with them at a higher level. And and a great example of this is if you've ever gone through a transactional sales process. You walk in or you talked about, you know, if they're buying a car or other, And and what are you looking for? Uh, What's the part number? What's my price? It's very transactional. When you start looking at consultative selling, it's more about the customer might not actually know of a problem. You're bringing the industry information and knowledge to them to try to help them identify what issues they are facing. Or when they have a problem, you're really going through and, and actively, consciously asking the right questions. You're listening through this curiosity approach and trying to take a deeper perspective on what is their issue and what value can you bring to that issue. It's not, it's, it's less about, hey, I'm all about hitting my quota. It's more about, hey, I'm all about helping my customer. And this approach, again, takes some technique. It takes uh, some thought, let's say. And you've got to have the right people to, to manage through this. And we'll get into, I hope today, in terms of why this is becoming so and so important. But the term trusted advisor, getting a seat at the table, uh, trying to ascertain again exactly what that customer needs or wants and when you look at consultative selling questions like the situation what what are they going through what problem are they trying to solve uh, what's an implication of of a direction or strategy that m- they might go through or or what is potentially need payoff uh, and I can speak to certain applications within ELO and how a customer might be looking for point of sale but have they really thought of self-checkout or they're looking at A a way to do both at the same touch point. Does mobile play into this? But it's all of those questions that we should be asking, as well as an active, active listening. you got to stop and let them talk to you uh, and understand, again, where they're going with stuff.
1: So many things to unpack already coming right, right. out of the gate, out of there. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you, Luke. I mean, you know, I'll throw on the table as well, building relationship, right? I mean, when you when you talk about consultative selling, uh, you really can't be in the game unless you have some type of relationship, right? right, right. And that gets to what Luke was talking about, the whole trust factor. Uh, you know that comes to bear here, right? And people aren't going to trust. Well, they're not going to really buy from somebody they do, they don't trust. So, in order to get the trust, you need to build the relationship. Exactly. And and at the end of the road, we what we do, what this channel does, is really not transactional. We are solutions integrators, right? Mm. We are technology solution integrators. We are in the fold of what is happening that is very cutting edge, bleeding edge, whatever you want to call it. And so just by the nature of what we do, you, you kind of almost have to, at least I would think, have kind of that consult- consultative approach and going after it and asking the questions, right? I, man, you, you touched on it already uh, with the ability to ask questions and I will say the ability to listen. As we've yeah. already talked about, as you already did in in your intro, there that, that was a great build up to it. So those are pretty important things, right? Yeah. So I mean, how can you have value if you don't have the trust and if you don't have the relationship that you can build with them? Yep. It?
0: And yeah. I think you hit on it there when you mentioned <clears throat> the idea that our our you know channel is very much about solution selling, and mm-hmm. a lot of that again comes down to relationships. Because yeah, sure you can be transactional. If someone says, "Hey, I need a mobile computer, a barcode scanner, a display." Here's the specs I need. Fine. You could very easily give them, hey, here's a SKU that meets all that specs. Yeah, right. Buy it or not. I don't Mm -hmm. care. See you later. Yeah. But you know, if if you want to become, as as Luke put it, that trusted advisor. If you want to become that person that they keep coming back to or come Mm -hmm. to you when they have an actual problem Mm -hmm. that they want to discuss potential solutions, bring you into the buying process Mm -hmm. sooner than later, Mm -hmm. you have to have that relationship built. You have to have that that trust. And that comes from you seemingly caring or, you know, interested in their problems and their issues. Yeah, And that brings me to a few interesting stats here before we get into kind of like, you know, this approach and why it's important. So uh, I found this from a uh, an actual HubSpot post, you know, they're from their own blog. 84% of business buyers are more likely to buy from sales reps who understand their goals. Mm. That's a huge number. Mm-hmm. And again, it feels like it makes sense, but you'd be surprised how many salespeople don't really think that hard right. about that. Oh, no, like, they don't. I don't care what you're doing. It just what do you want? You know, <laughs> I've got what you want. Either I have what you want or I don't have what you want. It, just tell me that, and we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, and then fifty percent of, fifty seven percent of those buyers believe reps lack adequate knowledge of their business. So, so a, a significant majority want that understanding of their goals. But more than half are also saying most reps that we talk to don't have an understanding or an acknowledgement of our business. So they yeah. And then back to kind of when we, we had this three episodes we did with James Cordial about the mm-hmm. challenge customer mm-hmm. and, you know, understanding how to get involved with buying groups in particular, which we come up a lot in our in our particular channel. Well, one of the big stats we called out several times during that, I'm going to call it out again, most buying groups are 57% of the way through the process before reaching out to suppliers. that's, it. that's right. So if you're, again, only treating that, as a transactional thing Mm -hmm. where you don't get involved or really talk to them, have anything to do with them until they need or want something from you. They're already typically halfway through the process of trying to figure out what they're going to do before they reach out, which may have blocked you out of any chance of – Presenting a solution or yep. building a rapport, or as, yep. you know, as Luke mentioned, like maybe they came to you for one thing and you come back and say, "Well, have you thought about this instead?" You know, you came to me about POS, but have you thought about self checkout instead? Mm-hmm. If you're waiting too long, those buyers by the time to get to you have Bingo. already decided we're just doing this. Yep, we already had that conversation about self checkout. We decided we're not going to do it. Just just get on board with this, and you get blocked out at that point.
1: At, at that point, you're just Mr. Transaction. A, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. So no. so
0: Luke, I guess let's so let's kind of get into the next part here with. Then is first of all explaining why is this customer-centric approach, this needs-based kind of approach, building these relationships, investigative, asking questions. Why is that more important now than it ever has been before?
2: Well, there's a couple of factors to this, and one of the primary ones is the amount of available information far exceeds the capacity of our customers to consume it. So think about how much information is out there on any given topic. It's overwhelming. And so when we look at the art of being the consultant, let's say in consultative selling, it's taking this vast amount of data and all the offerings that a VAR might have to offer and boil it down to, I listen to my customer, I understand their needs, and now I can consult based on all of this data that's available to them. And I love the stats part of this, but Gartner reported 89% of buyers reported having access to high quality information. It's not about not having data and available data. It's being able to boil that data down to useful information specific to the problem that your customers are trying to solve. Here's another issue. Buyers are spending more and more time analyzing this information like we discussed uh, and not meeting the salespeople. They're remote. We've got hybrid workforce. So as we look at the amount of time that uh, the VAR, the OEM, or other can spend face-to-face with that customer or sitting in meetings working through, uh, there used to be weekly on-sites. There was the Friday lunch. There was time that was spent together. This dynamic is changing. Information has exploded, and the amount of time we're getting with our customers in some cases has been reduced. And so being the consultant to work through problems and listening, et cetera, is, again, why I think it's more important than ever.
1: I would agree I would with agree. that. I yeah. mean, how how do you get to the problem? Well, you have to ask questions mm-hmm. along the way. So, you know, in consultative selling, that to me, that's a part of the what you have to do. Right. You right. really got to get in there. You got to have a conversation around it, and you have to listen. I I love the fact that we're hammering in on the listen part because yep. to your point, Luke. I would, you know, if I'm walking into a like an initial kind of you know process, if you will, I'm assuming that that individual's already down the road with some preconceived biases. Yep. They've already learned yep. some stuff along the way. And you need to probe for that. You need to understand mm. where where are they? Where are they in this realm of, of their understanding of, of the particular solution? And, I mean, how else are you going to consult unless you don't know where they're at? Right, because right. you could be walking on landmines walking in. You could walk in, and if you think you own the world and start down-talking some technology or something like that that some person is already right, right. and really kind of thinks is a good idea. right. Well, then you're now you're out. Right. So, so really to me, you know, the consultation starts with listening, asking good probing questions, I will throw out the power of silence as well. You know, it, after you ask the questions, I mean, it, it's okay to have some silence in the room so that people can think about it because you want to have kind of that conversation around it. Because, uh, you know, obviously, if you have a good base of knowledge walking in, you know, uh, we're, we're kind of already assuming that you know your product and right, you know where right. it works in the universe and those kinds of things. But if you have more knowledge that you're bringing, you need, you know, to kind of understand and have some silence along the way to to see where people are thinking and how they're marinating on some of the information that's happening in the room.
0: Yeah, I agree, And I think also, you know, customers in general, we as customers, whether it's as part of a B2B buying process and we're part of a group or we're part of, you know, a sale for our company or us as general consumers, which probably informs our attitudes towards our business type relationships as well. We just we we've come to learn and understand how salesmanship works. Yes, right. It's not like you know when you go watch like you know Glengarry, Gary Glenn Ross or <laughs> The Wolf of Wall Street, you know where they're like selling those those stocks back in the '80s, you know yes. where it's just all this like hyper aggressive, right. you know, feel like you know you need to do this, you got to do this now. I'm gonna right. you're, I'm gonna yeah. put you in this, you know, where you're just <laughs> battering somebody until they just relent and hand you their money. Yeah, that doesn't work anymore. No, you know, that just there's there's very few people that works on it because we are so tech savvy because we are so in. Information heavy. Yes, We have so many ability to, to go out and do research and compare and contrast. I mean, just even just going and buying something on Amazon, sure. there's a section on any Amazon page where you can compare like six or seven different products that are mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. and compare and contrast them. That kind of stuff, you know, it, it makes it impossible for the aggressive salesperson that thinks I'm just going to hammer you with everything that I've got and all the cool you know, gadgets and functions or whatever that it has, and, yep. and 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 then you you will have no choice but to buy it because I've spent so much time telling you about it. We're too savvy <laughs> for that, you know. It just doesn't work that way anymore. So
1: I'm if, just gonna keep working you over. Yeah, until, yeah exactly. I mean, really I'm sure
0: work. there's a few people still out there, you know. Uh, say so there's you know a dummy born every minute or something like that, you know, kind right. of thing. But I just yeah. I feel like yeah. in general, like you know, unless you are getting them when they're newborns, <laughs> they're, <laughs> most people have become savvy yeah. enough now to recognize when they're they're being sold to that yeah. they don't want it
1: to happen yeah. to them, so. especially in the B2B world. Right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. these people are making decisions that are meaningful. And as we've already explored, there's a group decision going on, right? So there's other stakeholders exactly. uh, in, in, in the fold. And, and yeah, that technique, the other technique of strong sell won't work yep. uh, here in this one. Well,
2: way. let me give it another example here, though. So I'll, I'll use ELO as the example. So I've been at ELO for almost 17 years. We used to sell touch monitors, we still do. But when you look at what we're truly selling today, we're not just selling a monitor now, we're selling a unified architecture, we're selling an ecosystem, we're selling a SaaS environment in some cases. The complexity of products to stay competitive for most vendors have gone through the roof. We're not just connecting a monitor to a computer, we're connecting a computer to a broader ecosystem, an app development environment, management tools, asset management, we're enabling employees with technology, we're mobile, we're Wi-Fi. we're cellular. You have to be the consultant of your own product, as well as the consultant of your customer's ecosystem to be successful in today's world, obviously depending on what you're selling. But when it comes to an an Elo person, we'll get into this a little bit more about some of the value that Elo can bring uh, to the VAR. But really, another piece of this is just the complexity of products and the specializations to help our customers be competitive has gone exponentially higher.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one because I'll go back ten years or so in my life when I, you know, was more on the reseller side was, uh, on the reseller side, and we started, you know, uh, dabbling in digital signage and stuff like that. We would have consultative approach to some of our customers as it related to large format displays, the use of that, uh, and then kind of transitioning them into some more interactive mm-hmm. technologies. I like where you're going, Luke, in the sense that it's it's more of a dialogue about you know an overall solution in the in the completeness of what it can bring. Uh, you as the solution provider know these things walking in the door, and sometimes you can ask the questions to lead it towards that that right, re- regard. Right. In this particular use case, it was an entity that d- that would would do horse sales, and we owned you know we had the account for years, and we would pr- project the you know the what they call the hips and the and the, the horses running down the straightaway uh, up on passive displays. But we had started having probing conversations around. Well, what about interactivity? Do you think there would be a value to have the buyers be able to walk up to a key? and be able to select different horses and watch them interactively and tie that into an ecosystem. By the way, they were ELO monitors that we sold and we got the deal. But <laughs> but I mean those are the kinds of you know discussions right. that this is what consultation is all about, yeah. right? It's yep. not just walking in the door and say, oh, you need another screen and then so we're gonna transact on this. You got to ask questions yeah. and get some insight called. definitely. Yeah.
0: And, I, you know, and to Luke's point I like when you talked about you know your past <laughs> of the whole touch monitor thing and 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 now that it's it's so much bigger. It's a unified architecture. There's so right. much more involved. Yeah. And I I think that's, to your point too, that whole idea of the consultative is not just about them, but also understanding you and your company mm-hmm. and what you're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. your goals, where do our goals and your goals actually meet? Yeah, your it. goals are the important part, but you know I've got my own goals to meet also. Mm-hmm. And if I'm talking to you about your goals, ideally I might find some intersection there. And again, that whole idea of, sure, you can come to me and say, I want X and I could give you X and we could be done. But why would you do that when when you have the opportunity to say... Why do you want X? Mm-hmm. What's going mm-hmm. on? What are you working on right now? Um, you know, what's, what's, what's at stake here? You know, where's X going to fit in? Uh, how's that fit in with something else? Just even, you just start going down that path of asking a few questions, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're opening up this conversation where if, if this person in any way Once that kind of feedback and input, they're going to start opening up and answering. You know, I I feel
1: like because having gone through the sales process before, I think some sales reps don't go down this road because they fear asking the questions. You know, as I was listening to you talk, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the way I would approach it, if there was a gap in my solution, like, right, they're bringing up the the customer, the prospects bringing up issues that maybe my solution doesn't cover right now, I would never fear that. To to me, I saw that as an opportunity to A, contact my vendor, right, and say, hey, you know, I got this prospect, and here's the gap in my solution. Do you guys have any issues? Is that something we
0: could do something about? I mean, Elo's
1: got this phenomenal ecosystem You know that they can tap into software development or whatever needs to happen there. So you see what I'm saying, though? I think a lot of reps kind of fear asking questions. They don't want to get down that route, and and I'm saying it should be the exact opposite. Welcome that and see that as an opportunity.
0: Exactly. And we'll get to more of those fears in a moment, but Luke, I want you to kind of start things off here by kind of walk us through the consultative sale. Like, what does that set look like? What is a salesperson doing kind of from start to finish, you know, if they're, if they're truly following this model?
2: I'm going to take one out of your guys's page here. I'm going to go off of a little bit of the HubSpot dialogue in terms of how they laid out steps. Cause I, cause I like the thought and I'll, I'll put some mix in this, but you got to start with targeting and qualifying. So you've got to be aware of what your customer problem is or present a problem they might not be aware of. And So once those problems are identified uh, through either uh, industry knowledge, employment costs are going up. Are you looking at self-service? Are you looking at self-checkout? Are you enabling your employees with mobile so they can do more with their time that they are spending uh, on the clock? But it's going through and targeting and qualifying with your customer, bringing some value in terms of what problem they might already have or discussing problems they'll likely face. Uh, once you've gone through that target and qualify, you start to the explore and access. You know, work through how much of a priority the issue is, determine options, develop decision criteria, let's say. But at this point, you're kind of, you're, you're formulating your plan and how you can address that, that potential problem. Uh, you want to be the consultant at this point. Uh, you want to send relevant data and information. So again, explore and access. After you've gone through that, you're really developing that solution. You're bringing hard facts. You're bringing what they could buy. You're narrowing down your choices, refining that decision criteria through this developing the solution side, and this really gets into what we like determine as the quoting piece, the services side. It's what does this overall solution look like? If I could, and then from there.
1: Yeah, if I could pause you right there, Luke, because I really think it's important at this stage to make sure that the stakeholders understand what you're proposing, right? Right. Especially when we get into some of these technologies that maybe we're introducing some new stuff along the way. You you know, rather than just saying, oh, you know, here's our plan now that you've spent, you know, a good amount of time. Just I would would say make sure that they understand the value behind some of the things that you're integrating into your quote and or your presentation uh, so that they can talk the talk and walk the walk when they have to go back behind the scenes and sell it. For you, sorry, Luke. Yeah, go ahead. You have to, di- right, and, I, and I like that you paused me there for a second because at this phase, you have to differentiate. You've got to
2: focus on business outcomes and prove the value uh, that you're bringing. Because if you can't do that at that phase, you're, you're just kind of another option there. The consultative side is kind of left uh, at, at left the building. Let's say you, you've got to make sure that you can differentiate and really prove yourself, gain that trust, and and. I call it a seat at the table, but be, be that trusted advisor. And then that last piece, uh, second to last piece is you present that solution. At this point, you should already be working with procurement, they've got an idea of costing. Uh, you know what you need to do. You've likely already asked for the business a couple of times. We'll get into that a little bit more here. Uh, and then the last step is just negotiate and close. And I'll make one point though is when you're confident that the deal's moving your way, they love Elo's Android Edge Connect capability, it's flexibility, man, this deal's done, I presented it, we're good to go, and I start focusing on something else, don't. Don't drop the ball. Make sure you stay connected with your customer all the way through, and even after the purchase order. Because as you look at that that finish and close piece of this, uh, you don't want to lose a deal so close to the finish because you took attention uh, off of it for another deal, let's say. But you also want to keep providing that value through the process so you look at the next deal and the next potential business outcome that you can start to address.
1: I like that. Towards the end of this stage, it's okay in my mind to be a little alpha, you know, right, to kind of kind of take control of the right. process a little bit. But have a little confidence. You got to have some confidence. Yeah, you want to do yeah. it in a way that's not overbearing. You right. know, you don't want to be that hey 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 hey, you right. know, I yeah. sent you the information. Are you, you going to sign on the dotted line? You, you do don't do want to be that business? Business? guy. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. gal. But but you do it, but it's okay, you right. know, to kind of take control because at this point you know you are the consultant you have come up with what you feel is the plan right. the right solution at this particular point in, in in where we are in the process so again you know don't be don't be too afraid cuz i've worked with reps before that are maybe really good on the front side you know everything that luke laid out here the research the getting the presentation mm-hmm. you know the molding it getting the story right and and getting it to a sow or whatever or, a, or a, a, an rfp response uh and then it's like yeah, you know, they, they just don't have the confidence to right, say, OK, right. you know, asking for the deal. Right. You know, just some, some
0: basic stuff there. But it's OK to be a little alpha here at yeah, the end. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this was a, a, something I really want to talk about because I've been through a couple different sales organizations mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they both had similar type consultative models. Uh, And I literally, like my first job in sales at a publisher, we we follow this Richardson sales model, you know, which was this whole consultative selling thing. It was the first time I ever heard about this. But I think the important thing, too, to think about when you're talking about this process and what it means is that – there needs to be a culture built around this within your organization as well. that's really good. It's not just as simple as, you know, if you listening to this podcast right now decide, I'm going to be a consultative salesperson. Mm -hmm. If you decide to do that and your organization's more focused on just hammering out deals as fast as possible, transactions Mm -hmm. as many as possible, get in there, get it done, get the PO, move on, That's gonna be a conflict. It's gonna be a huge conflict. A little disconnect going on there. (laughs) And 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 that can be sometimes problematic where you know, if if you can't convince your organization, your organization as a whole is not on board with this idea of like, look, we're not about we're not gonna spend our time just being transactional and just making as many deals as possible. Mm -hmm. It's understanding that this consultative model takes time, it takes research, it takes effort. It it you know it could stretch a sales cycle over months or even years, potentially. Mm. But ideally, at the end of it, when you've done it and you've done it right, you get bigger, better deals. You get long lasting relationships that lead to bigger and better deals along the way, too. Mm. Uh, you can still have, like, you know, there could be a part of your team that's focused on the transaction oh, sure. side. Yeah. You, know, you can have the equivalent of, like, basically customer service that's yep. there. Just yep. someone calling in needs to buy something. Business and runs them, on move that on. Right? Right. It's like
1: this kind of day to day, we call exactly. it run rate. But ideally, kind of
0: there's something that. tied to that in some way where there's a potential for, you know, asking some probing questions mm-hmm. and getting a sales rep involved and mm-hmm. reaching back out. It could be even just reaching out to someone that had a very transactional interaction with you and saying, hey, just check in. How did that go for you? By the way, what were you using that for? You know, why mm-hmm. did you why did you buy that display? You know, what were you going to use it for? Oh, well, I was, you know, I wanted to put up something new in my uh, in, in my racetrack. You know, we just had our episode with yep. Jim, Jim Foster about That's sports right. betting. You know, yep, yep. I just wanted to put up some more screens. Like, really? Well, I I noticed you didn't buy something that was interactive. You know, have you thought about interactive gaming? You know, like, that... That conversation should be beginning from there. There's yep. plenty of opportunities to do that. But again, you've got to build a little bit of a culture in your organization around it in order yep. to make this actually I like work. the
1: cultural aspect, but also as we've talked about, some organizations are actually structurally changing, right? Because yes. you just mentioned it. So maybe sometimes, you know instead of all having all salespeople all doing the same thing, an alternative structure would be to have more customer support, customer service yep. people that are doing the transactional stuff. And that way you can enable outside or, or true business development And people to maybe have these kinds of conversations where you're you're probing uh coming out of the pandemic i think you're seeing where we've seen some statistics around that how companies are literally changing the structure of themselves a little bit more to accommodate some of those things well and again
0: you could have that work you know force where there's some they're remote even potentially across the country that are doing the transactional stuff and then you have your own homegrown force of maybe a smaller amount but like very dedicated consultative reps that are out there in the field that are mm-hmm. having regular conversations, regular meetings that are, de- again, developing that business development and developing out, you know, these larger, uh, you know, deals that, you know, come along the way. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. 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 Well then Luke, let's, let's kind of wrap this up with, you know, and you, you brought it up a moment ago, the idea of the, the close, you mm. know, closing the business. Yeah, so right. I think probably the two biggest hurdles when it comes to this model is, one for sales reps to understand how to overcome objections. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and really when someone in the middle of your you think you've got it all, maybe you're in the presentation <laughs> mode, maybe you're you're working your way through your context and having consultative conversations, and you've got that one or two people that are like, Mm, I yeah. have a question. What right. about X? Yeah. I don't know about the cost, or I don't know if this fits with us. Curve I don't know wall. if we want to yeah. do this. Right. And, yeah, the stuff you weren't expecting, mm. the objections you weren't expecting. And then also, again, at the end, asking for the business, mm-hmm. getting that closed. You mentioned that's that can be the hardest thing sometimes oh, for yeah. someone to actually yeah, absolutely. get into that sort of alpha mode where you just yeah. say, like, all right, I've done all the work tell me that, you know, give me the business. So, mm-hmm. uh, Luke, what are your tips for both of those? If you're trying to help somebody understand how to overcome objections and ask for the business, what do you suggest?
2: I'd start with a mindset on objections. So, I and mean, this is, uh, I've heard this multiple times, but at a, Objection is not a rejection. And so people have to understand quickly that if someone has an objection, they're not rejecting you or buying from you. It's simply a request for more information. And you've got to look at it that way. It's an opportunity to get to, if I get this done for you, can I get the business? So work through these objections quickly and efficiently for your customers because they're just, they're hurdles. They're just, they're little speed bumps that get you to the end result, which is getting the business. And so I look at objections and I boil it down to four and I say, lack of need, lack of urgency, lack of trust, and lack of money. All of those have different selling techniques or things that you should consider. So lack of need, well, did you do your job? Did you explain, you know, work with them on the problem? And have you given them enough justification that this is something, man, you really need self-checkout? Wow, legally, you really need price checkers. Wow, if you enabled your workforce with mobile, how more efficient could you be? This is uh, creating the need. This is your job. Uh, The urgency piece. You've got to understand what their problem was and create a sense of urgency. Ooh, Windows 7, you're still running that. Wow, the security risks there alone. Or the amount of money you might be spending with Microsoft to keep that thing going. Let's get this done for you. But create some urgency through knowledge and understanding that customer. The trust factor is all of you people. Your customer has to trust you. You have to be forthright with your customer. So building that trust is you, you call and you say you're going to call. You do what you say you're going to do. Uh, you're honest. You're upfront. You just... You, you got to be good at building trust. I mean, that's just, again, table stakes. The last one's interesting, the lack of money. Uh, last time I checked, VARs and NELA, we don't give away stuff. So you got to have money. It's uh, it's one of those things that's, that's a need. But there are situations where maybe you didn't, in the front of this, really understand their budget. Maybe you, re- you presented something that's uh, more on the, the highest level of something, and, and it does cost a lot. Are there different alternatives? Can you scale down the solution? And I I like to talk in terms of give-get. If I give you something like uh, uh, a lesser processor, you know, or if there's an alternative in terms of your delivery schedule, but there's ways to work through the money piece. And if you're just talking to maybe the business side, not a CFO, or someone who really controls the money, that's another thing. Just make sure you know what's going on with the money, because I can assure you every single one of them says, well, oh, that's expensive. I don't have that much money. That's not always the case. This is called negotiating. So just uh, work through the money piece. But And I'll also touch on the last comment here, and that's asking for the business. Uh, I think there's many people in the world that just, they don't have a problem asking for it. And I think if you've gone through that need, urgency, trust, you've you've done the right things by this customer. Asking for that business, and I've used examples like how would you rate us today are we kind of an abc how are we doing with you or if uh, if you had to make the decision now is this something that you would you'd go with us or is there something that we're missing but you should always be ascertaining the temper the temperature the uh, situation with your customer so that when the time is right and they're ready to pull that trigger it's going to be with you because you already know they're going to do that because you've asked him every step of the way so i look at asking for the business it's a part of the overall process uh, and make sure it's intertwined this isn't some big culmination of i've done all these great things so now today's the day i've wore my favorite bow tie i'm going to ask for the business (laughs) no you've been asking for it all along
0: in my opinion, it's a very good point, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, that. I love that. I'm going to go back to the money one because I, I think that's really good. And everything you just said there, Lucas, is brilliant uh, and dead on if you ask me. Uh, you know, exposing – getting an idea of the budget to me is really important in that consultative kind of approach because right. if you don't know – if you if you if you walk in, you know if or if you already know that you know you have an idea that the solution that you're going to be presenting is a Ferrari, right. and you're walking in and, and you don't expose the budget or where or right. the perception is there, and and you come to find out really kind of too late in the game that they're more in the Honda Accord, <laughs> right. uh, you know, kind of a budget I mean, that can really be. Well, it's damaging in the sense that you now have spent all this time, yep. and there really is. No, I don't care how good of a salesperson you might be, the the budget simply is right, not there. Right. I mean, there's to me, there's always you know there's always you know pluses and minuses around a budget where you can you can nudge your way and get a little bit more, and, right. and, and, and truly present a better value. Uh, but it'll also tell you just how much of a you know uh, of an uphill climb you have to go. Right. If there's a really big gap in what you think the solution is going to go for and what their expectation is, uh, well, okay, you got some work uh, cut out, and now you really got to do some due diligence around the cons- the consultation part of it, right. and saying, "Hey, here's the value of what I'm bringing to the table." Right. The money is a good one there. I love all four of them: the need, urgency, trust, and, and money. Yeah. But uh, that's a good one. They're, yeah. They're, very good stuff. Yeah. You
0: know, I, I think um, you know a lot of this comes down to just simply. Again, having that kind of confidence. And, and also, again, if you've done your diligence, as we've talked about, remember we had our episode a couple years back about effective sales presentations. Yes, so right. I talked yeah. to you all about yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that sales presentation model that I learned mm-hmm. about in my last gig before Blue Star. Mm-hmm. And it was all built around this idea of, again, if you've gone through all of this consultative selling, if you have... You know, you've asked the right questions, you've undercovered the right needs, that by the time you get in front of somebody to give them a presentation, as long as, again, you are saying, hey, here's what I know about you. Mm -hmm. Here's what we do as Mm -hmm. it relates to what I know about you, not just us, everything, you know, not all the cool stuff we can do that has nothing to do with you or your business. (laughs) Here's what we do based on what you have told me or your needs are and what I understand about you. And I've checked to make sure that's the case. Here's what I'm presenting. You know, here's, here's what I'm showing you at that point. There's no reason why asking for the business should be hard. Mm -hmm. If you've done all of that and all along the way, they're nodding along and saying, yes, you understand me. Yes. I understand you and how it relates to my particular issues. Yes. I do agree. There's a fit here between us. Then at that point, saying, okay, let's move forward. What's next? It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I need to cut me a PO today or, you know, no, let's right? let's get started. It could yeah. be like, all right, well, let's let's schedule our next meeting to talk about how we're going to start the process of making this happen. You know, some mm-hmm. sort of commitment mm-hmm. that says that, yes, they are on board and they're moving forward with you. Yeah. I, I don't think that's too hard to do, again, if you've done all the other stuff. I know it can be scary you know, for salespeople to do. But, you know, once you do it a couple times and realize how easy it is to actually ask that, even if it's not a direct, like...
1: No, I'm with you. Hand
0: me the check if it's more of a... Let's move on to next steps. Yeah. That's the same thing. That's the same concept. You've you've essentially asked for continuing the business and continuing the conversation, and that's that's all you really need to do to move things along.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like talking to a family member about some whatever some family decision. I mean, there's, there's needs to be a comfort level there, right? Yeah. Where there is no surprise at the end of the road. You've asked the questions. I love the question you were asking there, Luke, about how are we doing. You know, yeah, how, that's are, a great way. Where we're yeah. in the process, you know, where what are we? A B C are we fitting, you know, is this going the way you would
0: that'll be very revealing. Yep. <laughs> would <love> you <laughs> agree that this conversation, would you agree that what I showed you today is yeah. going to meet the needs that we've yeah. discussed? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and if yeah, they yeah, go, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or if they say no, like, no, there's something missing. What about this? Fine, that's perfect too. Again, that's continuing that consultative narrative where that's you're, right. you're like, All right, well then let's stop. Let's stop what we're doing right now before yeah. I go there's any the There's a further. disconnect here. Hold on. Let's let's explore where you know, where we were not meeting in the middle right now and talk about
1: that. Or maybe you you're, you're going to realize that you're the bunny that's just you know on the on the on the racetrack that you're just the lap bunny <laughs> and then you're not you're not in the in the mix at all you know and that can unveil and un, un, uh, unveil that stuff uh, as right, well right. that part of the yeah, process yeah definitely yeah
2: I'll just put a bow on this though this is all about the customer it's is customer selling this is really about their best interests this isn't uh, we have to become more empathetic we have to be better at serving in general i mean again these we like to say technique we like to say method the method is help your customer help them be successful and the business will come and that's i just i gotta end with that to a point on it Just it is truly a approach here of of serving your customer
0: yep Heart agree. Agreed. All right, well hey, let before we move on to our recurring segments and let uh, Luke talk a little bit about how Elo fits into all of this. I want to as always thank our Tech Connect members. We appreciate your support and sponsorship of the show. Uh, in particular Elo obviously for yes. lending us Luke for this episode. We really appreciate that. Uh, hey, as always, if you like the show, um, hey, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button for this yes. particular episode. Subscribe. Subscribe to our channel. We got all yes. kinds of cool stuff. We've got our Bone Appetit cooking show is back, uh, unboxed videos, some cool videos like you know the the unboxing stuff you always yes. see with toys yes. and whatnot. We're doing that now too yep, where you get yep, to yep. unbox cool stuff. Uh, there's there's always good stuff to find there. So please subscribe. If you are listening on an audio only format, if you have a way to leave us a rating and review please do that. We'd love to hear from you. Love to get your ratings. Five star only if you if you can you know like we need, we need the, to the best we need the best ratings if That's so. right. if you don't have a if you don't have a great rating for us reach out to us first and tell us why maybe we can improve the show for you let us uh, have a <laughs> consultative process exactly. us, you know. <laughs> and, and to that note also if you have ideas for the show if you want to tell us what you want to hear about uh, check the show notes there's a link where you can submit ideas to the podcast if you submit one to us that we like we'll send you a free t-shirt uh, and, and shout you out on the show later if we need to uh, and and hey as always too if you want to connect with us, find out what we're talking about, talk back to us. You can find us on Twitter at TechConnect Pod. You can also email us anytime, TechConnect at Bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up with our recurring segment, starting, first of all, as always, with the value to the VAR. Yes. This is where we kind of try to take our conversation, mm-hmm. wrap it up in a bow, give it a little bit of a send-off to our VAR audience and yep. what's something they can do. And in particular, I wanted them to kind of know how Elo fits into this picture. So, Luke, tell us a little bit how Elo does fit into the consultative sales cycle. What do you do to, to help VARs and their reps do this kind of selling?
2: I go back to this comment that is no longer just selling touch displays. Certainly, we make the world's best, but our products are now more complex than ever. They're SaaS-enabled platforms, unified architecture. We're migrating customers from what they've done for the last 20, in some cases, 30 years to new, evolving technology. And I'm pointing, painting a picture, let's say, of complexity. Uh, we're affecting retail, hospitality, medical, industrial, across the board. Elo is working with the VARs to be the ultimate consultants of our products, to help them be successful with their customers. So when we look at the consultative selling process, certainly this is Elo's core approach into how we provide support out into the industry. We don't expect the VARs to fully understand what's packed in our SDK, how our SaaS can be a game changer for many of the customers and as they evolve into the next generation platforms. This is where we have the resources, the solutions architects, the sales engineers, the product folks. We are truly here to help serve our VARs so they can serve their customers.
1: Love it, and wow. I'll add on to that. That Elo is really a good partner here. We were talking about, you know, when you're doing that probing on the solution, maybe you have some gaps in your solution. Mm-hmm. What I love about Elo is they're the kind of company that you can go to them with some of those problems and some challenges, and they will help you out. For example, if you don't know who Tyler Bots is, their ISV manager, mm-hmm. and can tap you into the software element of it, well, you need you need to know who he is yep. because he can really help you out. I mean, uh, I love the ecosystem; it is truly a little bit more broad than just. A large format display yep. or just a touch monitor, right? Yep. Uh, we're all kind of going in that direction. And Elo's on the front there, love yep. it. Yep. I agree.
0: And obviously, this channel, you know, is is different from a lot of other sales or, sales cycles and organizations and mm-hmm. situations you might be in, where you know some some companies they're selling the same products that they that they build, that they make, that they you know market. Like it's all part of. One company. So it's easy to go out and talk about everything there is to know about your product when it is your product. But when you're in this channel and you have a lot of different solutions from a bunch of different Mm -hmm. vendors, different places, different industries potentially you're selling into, that's when you have to rely more than ever on the help that you can get from the people who who are the actual experts. So don't ever hesitate when you're having that process and you're going through that consultative cycle, either, Mm -hmm. one, reaching out and finding out what kind of questions should I be asking? Or the next step being like, okay, I've asked these questions questions. Here's some of the answers I got. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What should I be positioning yep. next? Yep, yep. Even maybe bringing in some folks, pulling someone oh, in for me, you know, and saying, yeah. "Hey, can you come with me on this per- yeah. this particular call? And can you join right. this call so that when they ask me some of these questions that I don't quite know about, again, yeah, the the in depth technology behind you know what I'm offering here, mm-hmm. you can answer those questions. Mm-hmm. It's it all goes back to something we were always saying on this podcast, which is you are not an island. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be going alone. You, you know, you have potential partnerships. This channel exists for a reason. That's it. And these relationships exist for a reason. Bingo. Tap into them and You know, if you have to start with us, we'll our team will help you out as much as they can. And when Mm -hmm. we need to, we'll grab someone from Milo or whoever and bring them into the conversation. Somebody like a Luke, exactly. Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) well, I got to brag a little bit, folks. So you mentioned Tyler, we've got folks like Nick Scenarios, Christian Roubaix. There's a team of people at Elo that truly I am so proud of the folks, their dedication, their knowledge, their experience, their background. This is a group of people that I continue to be wowed by daily. But as an organization and as a channel-focused organization, we are set up to service the VARs. We have our channel teams. We have so we have count coverage at the top level VARs, our mid tier VARs. Uh, we have teams that work with the VARs to work with the end customers. So, again, when you look at how we're set up and organized, uh, the ISV team, of course, from Tyler, but this is a whole consultative approach at every single level to provide this assistance and consultation to, again, the VAR, the end customer. The overall problem that's being trying to solve, uh, the material that you might leverage to prove that problem, or the solution that you might need. So again, it's just. I sometimes think that we're, we're not being leveraged enough, uh, and we are truly here to help.
0: Bingo. Well, well said. Yep, yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, well, hey, let's, as always, wrap up with our favorite segment of each week. What's tech connecting with you? Uh, this mm-hmm. is where we get to talk about something from the world of science, tech, yes. innovation, business, something that's yes. got our eye, has our attention, something that could be exciting us, something that could be concerning us about the fu- future of humanity, yes. the fate of the world. Hmm. So, uh, Luke, tell us, what's tech connecting with you right now? <laughs>
2: Guys, if you put it in that way, I'm thinking, wow, this could be, and I know it can be just about anything, but I'm going to keep it kind of simple. I'm going edge computing, folks. Yes, uh, love
0: it. That's one of Dean's favorites. Yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Edge computing, maybe you've talked about this quite a bit, but I continue to geek out on where edge computing is going to take us, our industry, and, and truly the world of, of interaction, customer experience, digital enablement. But moving the compute and the knowledge through AI and other sources to the edge, where the computers themselves can make some of the decisions in almost near real time, we're talking wearables, we're talking mobile, connected fitting rooms, uh, different ways for payment. I mean, again, the edge computing side and the architectures that are being implemented today for the success of tomorrow is amazing,
1: I could not agree with you more. And yes, that's what that's exactly how we talk about edge around here is that and I love the fact that you bring it up because I think Elo is one of those critical players on the edge, mm-hmm. right? You need the compute power to uh, to enable these this AI right. and on all these things that are happening on the edge, you gotta have the compute power there. And I love the way that Elo's approaching that because they, they have it. They have yep. it built in. So Great. a nice little way to weave in your company there too <laughs> on uh, one of the things that's tech connecting with you. That's awesome. Yeah, Edge Compute is pretty cool. All right, all I'm right, gonna go a different route here. Virgin Galactic open space ticket sales to public. Were you oh, aware of
0: this? I, I knew it was coming.
1: I, I mean, we've notice. been talking about space travel and stuff like that. But you, I'm sure it's be quite now... affordable for oh, me, right? Oh, I got all the details. Oh, for okay, you. let's hear. It. So they're looking for a thousand paying customers to come in. Okay. And what do you think the ticket goes for? It started back in February 16th, by the way, that they made it available to the public. What, do you, Luke? What, do, what would you pay to go to to go out into space? You know, what, what is a I ticket worth? Heard a number. It was like four or five hundred thousand, something like that. Dang, you're but, on it. It's uh, $450,000. So if you've got that to spare, you
0: can go up in the air with I Virgin Galactic. I was complaining about the four or five grand it costs to go to that Star Wars hotel at <laughs> Disney World and... This I mean, a, they say they're taking me to space, too. This is yeah. a
1: little bit more. Now, what are you going to get for that? Well, after the countdown, the average Joe astronaut, I love how they get in there, <laughs> will enjoy a 90-minute journey. Joe millionaire astronaut, maybe. <laughs> <lady. Yeah. laughs> will enjoy a 90-minute journey, including a signature air launch and a Mach 3 boost into space, as well as just a few minutes of weightlessness and views from 17 shuttle windows. I was going to say, so windows. is this, this like, so suborbital kind of thing, thing. kind
0: yeah, of like how Bezos is doing with the blue origin? Okay, you're not, not really but, you in go, space. No, you're just kind of... Okay, maybe... Maybe no, upper I think atmosphere. I think upper atmosphere, right?
1: This is the one where it's the plane. You know, the plane right, goes right, right. up and then I think you launch from that plane right. and you you know, they shoot you out and so right. maybe you're skipping off the atmosphere and coming back down kind gotcha. of thing. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you're like orbiting. Right. You know, yeah, you're not exactly. up in that yeah. orbit. Yeah. But uh I mean don't get know, me wrong, it'd still be cool, but Yeah. Now, if you haven't made up your mind, really, all you have to put down right now is one hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> dollars. Well, that's to, all oh, okay. to advance. So, Luke, Yin, are we selling our house, <laughs> and are, are you and I going up in Virgin Galactic, or what?
2: I'm thinking half the
1: people the equity they got in their homes nowadays could probably afford there this. You know. So what wait yeah. <laughs> Dude, YOLO, man. You only live once. I'm blowing it on the ticket
0: for Virgin. Galactic. I, think I'll, I think I'll wait until it gets a little more mainstream and affordable. Okay, when it's boring, you know, when it just you'll like, let us early
1: adopters, yeah, you know, b- drive the price that's, down. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, uh, that's when, you know,
0: th- this is one of those places where price is a little bit of a barrier. I'm, I'm okay with getting <laughs> on board with a lot of technology, but I'm just like, nah, I don't, I don't need to go, you know, go broke and yeah, you know. I like, hear you. Second mortgage and you Fair know, enough. <laughs> leveraging leveraging my child's future college education. Yeah. I don't need to do yeah, yeah, it. Right yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. for a hop, skip, and a jump through space, you know? <laughs> now, if you're telling me, like, hey, you get to go colonize Mars and start a whole new thing or something. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. I might be a little more yeah, into that. germ-free, you know? Well, yeah, of right? course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. What's All tech right. connecting with you, John? So uh, we've talked a couple times, I think, offline, maybe even online, too, about, you know, how the the world of dating apps and, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're very grateful that we're married and yes, don't have to think right. about this stuff. And we've been married long enough that mm-hmm. we never really had to tap too much into the modern dating app, you know, yeah. system. world. Well, exactly. So, uh, but I will say uh, there's an interesting new innovation that Match.com has come up with uh, for single parents. So they're launching a new dating app specifically for single parents okay. called Stir. And this is one of those things. I'm like, all right, Start whatever, it. another dating mm. app. But I like when I was reading through it, I'm like you know, this actually is a great idea because I, you know, I know from friends that you know are recently single, you know, mm-hmm. and and are but our parents, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's from a divorce or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's not easy getting back out there no. at all, no, and especially again in this modern dating app world mm-hmm. where it's all about like how good of an impression can you make on swipe somebody left, within a couple right, of seconds, right. exactly. yeah, for them to decide, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, and single parents. Having either an extra obstacle where there's a lot of people that just don't want to date somebody that yeah. has children already. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so so match decided to think of we thinking about this because they noticed that there was a huge uptick obviously during the pandemic of people mm-hmm. joining these apps in general because mm-hmm. I guess you know how else are you going to communicate? It's a virtual people? bar. Yeah. I exactly. Don't know. Well, you know. And then, but they also noticed though that during that time there was a lot more single parents that were that were hmm. actively getting onto these platforms, mm-hmm. and then many of them were expressing the like, hey. You know, I'm having trouble still, you know, defining people or I'll meet somebody, start having a good conversation. Second, they learn I have kids. They ghost me, you know, or or they don't understand the time involved. So, at, so, so what's that's Stir this app? So Stir, yeah. like one of the, the biggest innovation about it is obviously, for one, it's just for single parents. But the biggest part of it, too, is like they have options included in it to like – put your schedule in there like when am I usually free so there's like a whole option where like you can make note of like what days of the week you're most often going to be free what times are you typically going to be free so you can hopefully align your schedule with someone you're potentially dating so if you're if someone's looking at you and deciding hey is this somebody I want to reach out to or have a connection with or talk start talking to and you find out like hey I'm only available to really go out for dates on Saturday nights, mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. other Saturday, or In, you know, Mondays person, and Tuesdays, yeah. or something. Uh-huh. This person's only available on Wednesdays and Thursdays. All right, well, that's someone that's not going to be very compatible with never mm-hmm. We're going to have a hard time <laughs> even finding time to just go out together. Right. So stuff like that that you know is a problem that typical single people don't really have, where it's just more of a like, well, when I'm not working and I don't have something else going on, we can mm-hmm. get together. Mm-hmm. You know, again, when you have kids, there's a whole other realm oh, of stuff you got to totally. think about. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think it's a nice idea. It's really nice for those folks that you know I know when. my— my 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 mom my dad died when I was very young and she did the whole parents without partners thing mm, for a while. That's where mm-hmm. she met you know my eventual stepdad and like you know like, you know there you know there's there was very, it was very hard you yeah, know for very people much to find so. that kind of stuff and no and doubt again, about it. No doubt our about it. hyper fast paced, everything's online, everything's you know again like instantaneous. Figure out who you want you know right now. Do they look good? Do they sound good? All right, you know, mm-hmm. move on it's nice that they, you know, we're, we're presenting an option for people that have bit a more. little extra wrinkle in their lives that make it just that much harder to yep, do. Yeah, so. there you go. Well, I hope never to have to use uh, that, same but here. now yeah, that exactly. I know what it is, yeah. All right, <laughs> stir got it. <laughs> yes. uh, all right, well, Luke Wilwarding, thank you so much again for joining us. We appreciate having you on. This was a great conversation. Thanks, Luke.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
0: And hey, until next time, uh, you know, if you're single and a parent, go download Stir. Uh, or if you and got four hundred and fifty thousand dollars laying around, exactly. And hey, maybe you know you can apply some consultative selling tips to Ooh. your next date too. You know, it's learn more about them, listen more than you talk. Love That's it. good stuff in any relationship, not just a business relationship. There you go. Uh, and as always, folks, please stay connected. <laughs> Technic Connect Podcast is brought to you by Elo. Looking to meet the needs of both hospitality and retail customers and their employees, as well as their busy on-the-go customers? Introducing the new ELO M60 Pay, a mobile POS computer designed to support everyday business. It's rugged, enterprise-grade, all-in-one device, six-inch HD touch display, Android 10 OS, Qualcomm Snapdragon 660, octa-core processor. What? Sounds like something out of a James Bond movie. Right. And all of the requisite connectivity options. Bomb. Uh, now, Dean, you and I are both fans of paying where, when, yes. and what we love. On demand, right? Our phones, our watches, maybe a credit card if we feel like it. 100%.
1: Uh,
0: well, that really puts the M60 above other mobile computers for productivity is that it offers a integrated payment capabilities to speed customers along wherever they are.
1: Beautiful. Uh, it's love equipped it.
0: equipped for dip, tap, and swipe. That always sounds Quit. like a TikTok dance. <laughs> Doesn't it? Can you say that again? Dip, tap, and the, swipe. Can you do the dip? Can you do the tap? Can you do the swipe? <laughs> no, nah, I'm not on TikTok. But go but ahead. Maybe we'll, I'll shoot my very first TikTok video. I'll just be us doing Fair our enough. version of whatever we think. Dip, tap, and swipe with the M60. With the M60, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'll be like, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, don't yeah, do we're that. We're good. We're yeah. good. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. We're good. We don't need to go viral like that. Uh, so that means that it accepts EMV cards with chips nfc contactless payments for cards or mobile devices and the traditional mag stripes as well I mean, mag stripes you're whatever right. it's so whatever. 2000s yes yeah. he's yeah. using mag stripes You
1: anyway. still got it again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. i guess they're there for a reason yeah. uh, perfect for tableside service line busting curbside pickup anywhere your customers need to accept the payments so to learn more about this amazing new device you're gonna be hearing more about this oh yeah uh, in in some of our other uh entertainment works as well yes check out the link in the show notes or contact the blue star elo team